podcast on the internet. And in this particular episode, I discussed my experience with COVID. I also discussed the issues from a bureaucratic standpoint with COVID, my trepidations about the vaccine, and many other intriguing issues. Make sure you check this episode out. Comment, like, subscribe, and share. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Peace. Welcome back to a brand new episode of No Truce Bard. You see, I got the candle burning. You see, I have my Akan statue that it rep is indicative, excuse me, of the thinking man, the man that's always has something on his mind, always in deep thought. And I wanted to have those here to bless this brand new podcast that I'm putting out. Uh, Apologies about the lighting and what's going on. But anyway, thank you for joining me on this particular episode. Uh, I'm back after going through a bout of COVID. And I wanted to dedicate this particular episode uh, to talking about my experience with COVID and to talk about exactly what I think about COVID, uh, my initial thought. Um, some of the conspiracy theories surrounding COVID-19, so I'm going to get into that. But this is episode 64 of No Truths Barred, and if you've missed any of the previous 63 episodes, all of those episodes can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Also, if you're not doing so already, make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and please make sure that you listen, like, comment, and, and share uh, the content because the more that you guys interact and engage, the larger this platform can get. And I have some really cool guests coming on uh, at the end of the month going into June. So make sure you say, stay tuned for that. Also, I have episode two of Hip Hop Opinions that'll get me canceled. That's coming up as well. So make sure you stay, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, the other show that I have uh, coming up, excuse me, the other show that I have coming up is one I've been doing previously, which is Truth Sessions. So I'm going to have uh, Truth Sessions 6 up this weekend. If not this weekend, it'll be available on Monday. And from here on out, all brand new episodes of No Truths Barred will be available on Wednesdays at eight between 8 to 9 p.m. I have it kind of set on a date. I don't know if I want to do 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., but they'll be out every Wednesday. And the reason why I wanted to put these episodes out on Wednesday is because if you follow me on social media, which you should be doing as well, on Instagram, my primary page is Hoyt Kaweku Timmons. That's H-O-Y-T underscore Kaweku, K-W-A-K-U underscore Timmons. That's T-I. I-M-M-O-N-S. And the name Kuwaku or Kwaku, uh, as it's pronounced, it means boy born on Wednesdays, and it's a icon name, it's a it's a day name. And so I said, look, boy born on Wednesday, so I might as well put my episodes out on Wednesday as well. So make sure you stay tuned for those. And once again, I like to take the time out to thank everybody that's contributed uh, a piece of constructive criti criticism, excuse me, people that have decided to share a piece of content, uh, people who've been on the podcast as well. I want to thank you. And uh, I look forward to growing this platform. I believe in No Truths Bar. It's my creation. It's my uh, my gift, if you will, that I'm giving to the world. Uh, it's just my, my train of thought, my perspective. And I look forward to building more and continuing to expand because I truly believe in this platform. And I believe that if it's not one of, it is the best pie, up and coming podcast on the internet. And I thank all of the listeners as well. So without further ado, I want to start this particular episode with a quote. And I remember the movie The Stand. If you've seen The Stand, it's a Steve, uh, excuse me, it's a, adapt, a film adaptation of a Stephen King novel. And the novel that Stephen King wrote, he actually wrote it in the 70s. And essentially the plot of The Stand is that a plague breaks out and it annihilates the world's population until the point you have a few survivors that are left. And these survivors, they kind of split off into two camps. One camp follows a character by the name of Mother Abigail, Abigail, and they go to Boulder, Colorado. Another camp follows this kind of demonic character by the name of Randall Flagg, and they set up camp in Las Vegas. But one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up this movie is for one particular reason. There, There's 
a, a, a quote in it. And then there is a quote that uh, I seen in another film as well, some sort of zombie apocalypse movie. And it made me think about this particular paradigm that we're living in. And I consider this like the COVID paradigm. And the reason why I consider it the COVID paradigm is because when you look at infrastructure, when you look at business, when you look at relationships, matter of fact, um, uh, I think 2020 was this was the uh, six six uh, greatest year of decline in birth rates and COVID definitely uh, exacerbated that as well and expanded upon it. So it affect every, it affects every facet of our lives. So that's why I consider this the COVID paradigm that we happen to be living under. And with that being said, this is the quote. And I'm taking this from Revelation chapter six, verse eight. And, and I look and behold a pale horse and his rider's name was death and hell followed him and power was given unto them a for, was over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and of the beast of the earth. Now, this is not really a religious podcast, but. I thought about that. And when you look at COVID, when you look at what's going on in India right now, when you look at the fact, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but I think worldwide, it could be over over or close to 700,000 people have died from COVID. Now, if you want to get into the, the debate about it being, um, you know, our numbers being inflated, do these people have pre-existing conditions? I really don't think that is the proper argument or discussion to have. But the fact that it's going on uh, and then you look at how COVID is affecting things, like I said, on an economic level, it truly is the COVID paradigm. And I remember initially when I heard about COVID-19, my first initial thoughts was that this is a man-made virus and this got out of a lab. And one of my friends actually brought up the point that when you look at the diagram of COVID-19 and you look at the diagram of HIV, uh, they're definitely identical when you look at both of those. And so is it far-fetched to think that a laboratory or maybe some type of uh, military arms, weapons manufacturer, manufacturer, excuse me, would create a virus that could potentially decimate the population. Well, we all know that bio warfare is a real thing. And in a different capacity, you can go back to Nazi Germany and you can look at the use of Zyklon B, excuse me, in the gas chambers. You can look at the use of Agent Orange. You know, these are all biological agents that were created to inflict great torture up until one's death. So this is not really that far fetched. When you look at Ebola, some of the claims that have been made is that actually the CDC manufactured, genetically manufactured Ebola and tested it out on African populations. There was a paper in Liberia where they claimed that the CDC is responsible for the release of Ebola, allegedly, I'm all of this is allegedly, uh, in Africa. And as you know, Ebola is extremely contagious. Ebola causes uh, bleeding out of every orifice. It, it, it brutally attacks the, uh, the organs, and it can be transmitted by bodily fluids. And so that's some of the claims that have been made. And one of the things that some African leaders have spoken about and many activists is that the fact that when you look at the continent of Africa, if you go to 1884 and you look at what happened under Otto von Bismarck with the Berlin Conference, where in theory they carved up Africa amongst many of these European powers, we talk about the raping of mineral resources. That's something that we talk about a lot. We also talk about uh, some of the, the the violence that occurred under colonialism. You can go to 1896 when the British finally invaded uh, the Ashanti Empire. You can look at that. You can look at a lot of the wars, but there were some successful wars. You know, there was successful resistance uh, to these colonial powers. Like you look at uh, Samore Torre and uh, his resistance against the French. You can look at the Mahdi uh, in the Sudan and their fight against the British as well. You can look at the uh, what they call them, the uh, the Fuzzy Wuzzies or the Hindendawa 
who also put up against a, 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 a really great fight and resistance against these colonial powers. But one of the other arguments that people have made is that Africa has been a, a, a ground for pharmaceutical companies to come in via Western powers and test things on different populations. It could be Ebola. Some would argue the uh, HIV virus as well. Like I said, these things are alleged. Um, and so this is another argument. And then you can even bring that back to the United States. You can look at uh, the Tuskegee experiments. Now, granted, some would argue that the means justified, excuse me, the end justifies the means. So when you look at the Tuskegee experiment, as callous as it may sound, we did gain a lot of valuable information about the virus, uh, the syphilis virus out of those experiments. But one, it was extremely unethical and it was done unbeknownst to those that were targeted and exploited in these particular experiments. Uh, you can go back. Matter of fact, Dr. Sean Utsi, who teaches at VCU, he has a really great documentary about uh, burial grounds that were uh, invaded and the, and the people that were in those the enslaved that were in those slave burial grounds were used to practice upon by uh, VCU or MCV medical students. These are real things that go on. You know, you can look at medical apartheid. You can see that prisoners are have been experimented on by experimental medicine. Prisoners have been experimented on with with vaccines that aren't safe. And it's because they aren't seen as human. And, and by proxy, and the larger argument is that since this country's inception and in the Constitution indicated that black people were three fifths of a man, that we have not been seen as human. And so that's why whenever there's a new vaccine, there's a, a new medical practice. A lot of times people argue and point out to the fact that with their consent or not, black people have been used as guinea pigs. Now, with everything I just said. There have been counter arguments. There have been people that have debunked some of these particular claims. But I'm just putting that out there to say that it is not really that far fetched that this could be a man-made virus. And that was one of the things that actually came to mind to me when I first heard about it. And like I said, I pointed out, you know, Stephen King's novel, The Stand, because in that particular book, it was called Captain Trips. It was called The Super Flu. And it was a lot more viral and, and deadlier than the, uh, the coronavirus. But nonetheless, it still has claimed many lives. People have some residual Effects, And I'm going to get into that a little bit later about what I'm still dealing with currently due to the COVID-19 uh, virus. But these are things that we can't ignore and we can't just act like they're moot points. These are valid arguments to one, why we may perceive this uh, distrust and information being disseminated by the major media outlets and on, at the behest of the government. Why people have trepidations about taking vaccines, why people uh, feel like. These vaccines could be deadly. And could there be some validity to it? I mean, there have been tests on on uh, various other vaccines where aluminum and mercury have been found in these vaccines. And uh, matter of fact, one of the causes of breast cancer and other types of cancers is some of the aluminum that we get into our bodies, you know, through deodorant and unfortunately through certain foods that we eat. Uh, plastics, etc. So the fact that this these these things have been found in vaccines, I can understand the trepidations, but I want to get into that uh, a little bit later. So science, I always argue, I think America has two religions that everybody acquiesces to. The two religions are these. I don't care if you are Christian. I don't care if you're a Muslim. I don't care if you practice Voodoo. I don't care if you practice Santeria. I don't care if you're an Obia person. I don't care if you're a Taoist. I don't care if you're a Buddhist, whatever you are. If you live under the current United States paradigm from the time that the people that would create the Federal Reserve met on Jekyll Island, if you live under our paradigm, if you live under the paradigm of the petrodollar of fiat currency, of cryptocurrency, of materialism, then you have two religions. That first religion is capitalism. That's the first religion. And I always say we like to credit ourselves as being the logical society. And listen, I always go on these rants. And to be honest with you, as I had a, form, a guest on a formal podcast, let me correct that. 
the crony capitalism that we have, the capitalism that's controlled by corporations, the oligopoly of plutocrats that sit at the top and regulate this uh, this system of, of, of currency that we live, live under, this system of, of debt that we are perpetually in, this inflation that we have. And so that's the system that we live under. And it's the system of the dangling carrot. It's the system where the middle class is shrinking. It's the system where that, that, that ladder, that proverbial ladder to get to the top, to move to the Upper East Side like the Jeffersons did, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller every year. But, so, but we have this faith. Because we've seen Jay-Z make it. We have this faith because we saw Oprah made it. We <clears throat> pardon. We have this faith because we saw Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and all of these people make it. And you have a system where uh it's not really true competition. It's truly not the uh the the, the invisible hand of the of the market like Adam Smith's talked about. These things are do not exist. This is a uh a propped up crony capitalist system where truly not everyone gets a fair shake. And I don't know if I'll go to the other extreme of being like the anarcho-capitalist where I truly just trust the invisible hand of the market, nor do I want to be like the people where I'm a hardcore socialist and I just acquiesce to everything that, you know, is a sign of socialism. Um, and then some of the ideas with, with uh, what they call democratic socialism, which is what Kwame Nkrumah, who was the first president of Ghana in 1957, that was what he wanted to inculcate. It was something like uh, 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 Chavez, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, uh, until he died, wanted to inculcate. And uh, even uh, Fidel, uh, Fidel Castro, excuse me, Fidel Castro, but they all had their different variants on it. But me, this is where I am. Uh, I consider myself a materialist. I consider myself uh, logical. And what I think is to blindly follow any one of these particular monetary systems is foolish because they all have flaws. And what we should do is that we should thoroughly study each one of these economic systems. And then we have to look at the fact that you have 7 billion people on the planet today. Then we have to look at the fact that you have 300, I think 360 million people living in the country of, of the United States. And what could be applicable with technology, with social media, with the fact that our world is smaller because we connected through these technological devices and is there a system that can be more conducive to allow more human autonomy, more human ingenuity, but also regulate as a proper medium of exchange? And I think we can extrapolate from a lot of these different economic uh, ideologies, if you will. And then we can look at our conditions currently and think and think and focus on novel concepts. So you're never going to hear me become dogmatic for any particular uh, a, a system of economy, a co economic system, because to me, they all have flaws and I just don't blindly follow anything. I am uh, uh, I have a degree of skepticism when it comes to everything. So that's just where I stand. But that's one of America's religions. And we all seek to move up. We all seek to flex. We all seek to get money and we don't care how we get there. We all have this frame of mind to be these cutthroat capitalists and this dog eat dog. And because this is the modus operandi of the paradigm that we live under, it produces a society of sociopaths. It produces a society of narcissists. Matter of fact, uh, in Peter Joseph's work, Peter, Peter Joseph, he was responsible for doing the Zeitgeist movie. And one of the things that Peter Joseph said, and he, he quoted the study, and, this, and I, I'll find it, and if I can find it, when I promote this podcast, I'll put a link up to the study. But what the study found out is that people that are millionaires and 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 richer they have a hard time recognizing pain suffering sadness on the face of other humans there's also been studies done that showed many people that become millionaires and many people that become billionaires they have direct tendencies that correlate with psychopaths and you have to ask what is the problem 
with politicians because it can be brought up by lobbyists. And this is why, to me, it's bullshit to sit up here and argue about the Democrats or the Republicans or the or well, I'm gonna leave the independents and the libertarians alone, but the Democrats and the Republicans. I like what Jesse Ventura says when he calls them a two-party dictatorship. You don't have options. These options are false. These options are bought and paid for by Wall Street. These options, they they don't care about you. They're gonna come around and they're gonna pander for your vote. This is what Kamala Harris and Joe Biden did. They came around, they went to a rib shack, they went to a church, they, they pandered for our vote, but they don't care about their constituents. Listen, I don't agree with everything that Bernie Sanders stood for politically because I am a skeptic and I'm going to have a problem and I'm going to have questions with everything. I'm not a follower. I kind of consider myself a leader of sorts. But because I come from an African centered perspective, I like to let people call me a leader instead of myself calling me a leader because that's too vainglorious for me. But Bernie Sanders, I at least, this is why I wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders so much. Bernie Sanders was an independent. He was not a Democrat. Two, Barack Obama did not like him. And I'm going to tell you this, Barack Obama is overrated. Barack Obama did some small concessions for black people. But my problem with Barack o with, with Obama and many of these presidents is that they want to latch on to black culture. They want to latch on to the HBCUs. They want to latch on to our people when it comes voting time. And we never get anything tangible. But all of these other demographics can get tangible things done for them. The LGBT community, no B. Uh, the Hispanic community And as you've seen as these uh, As many of our Asian brothers and sisters Was getting attacked The government came out and passed out An anti-discrimination bill against that But yet you have so many black people Getting killed by the police And nothing is done There's no laws being passed There's nothing codified legally To protect And they're still discussing the anti-lynching bill so that's my problem with arguing over the left versus the right. Sean Hannity, to me, Sean Hannity and uh, what's the guy's name on CNN? And I can't remember his name. Oh, my goodness. I cannot remember the guy's name. The brother, the light skinned brother on CNN with the, the haircut, but his hairline is never sharp. I'm trying to think of his name. But anyway, CNN, Fox News, they're the two wings on the same bird. And the problem is, is that the Democrats and the Republicans, and I'm, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I just want to cover this really quick. The Democrats and Republicans, they just seek to consolidate power. The fact that Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Mitch McConnell. They're worth millions of dollars. Those are just two politicians. And after Ross Perot in the early 90s, the DNC and the RNC, they came together to keep anybody that's not running through those two parties out of the discussion. This is why when, when Dr. Uh, Dr. Ron Paul ran uh, for president, he ran as a Republican. Dr. Ron Paul is a libertarian. This is why when Bernie Sanders ran, he had to run as a Democrat. B Bernie Sanders is an independent. And it's the illusion of choice. Both parties are controlled. And I don't want to say controlled like in conspiratorial sense. But they give highest priority to who's, who's bringing the money. There have been professors that talk about lobbyists bringing checks up to Capitol Hill. The interests of, the interest of BP... The interests of Exxon, the interests of DynCorp, that's what's paramount to a lot of these politicians. You and I are not, but it should be because they're public servants and our tax dollars go to paying their salary. But that's the that's the first religion. I'm going to jump on that. And then the second one is, is science, ironically enough. We look at science as being purely empirical. And objective, and we act like the same things that we castigate in politicians, the same things that we castigate in religion, the same things that we castigate in various other philosophies, doctors, political or economic, do not happen in science. But it can very well happen. And we don't, and we act like there aren't 
paradigm shifts. And if you want to know the full details about parad par paradigm shifts, make sure you check out Thomas uh, Thomas Kuhn's book. Thomas Kuhn talks about uh, scientific paradigms. <laughs> Pardon me. Thomas Kuhn talks about scientific paradigms and when they end and where they go, etc. And and make sure you check out that book. But the other religion is science, because to a degree, and I'm going to say this, I, I love science, but I also believe in God. Um, and God has done a lot in my life. So I have no trepidations about saying that if you want to stop, if you want to unsubscribe from my channel, because I said, you know, I love God and God has done a lot for me, then you can go ahead and do it. I really don't care. Uh, but I'm not going to hide how amazing, you know, the most high is. But anyway, when you look at when you look at science, people forget that science has paradigm shifts and easily the information that we believe today can become obsolete once more evidence comes in. Also, let's not forget that things like phrenology, things like um, the, uh, what is it? The multi-genesis theory where it talks about the curse of Ham and, and the origin of black people. These things were actually taught. Let's not forget during the Kafir's war, a lot of the heads of those Khoisan people was brought back to universities in England to study and to look at the morphology of the skull. We have to remember that. We have to remember that the father of gynecology, J. Marion Sims, practiced his gynecological methods on enslaved black women. And a lot of those women died from those crude procedures or uh, had, some, had severe infections to the point where they couldn't have children. This all happened under the name of science. We can't also forget that profit is involved. We have to remember all of that. And so in America, the dollar and science is what we flock to. And I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your ethnicity is. That's what we flock to. And the reason why I point that up about science is that in science, although scientists claim to be objective, empirical data, all of these different things, although you have that in science, sometimes things can unintentionally happen unbeknownst to to or unintentionally at the behest of the scientists. And that's something that that's something that we have to understand. Let me see what time it is because I'm trying to trying to keep this podcast to 30 minutes and I'm unsuccessful because it's 26 minutes so far and I want to get off of here in 30 minutes. But it looks like I'm not going to be able to get off of here and I got to keep talking to you guys. So <laughs> I'm just so happy to be back. I'm happy to be alive. God is good. I, I just I, I'm excited. So I'm um, when you listen to this episode, you're going to hear the excitement in my voice when you listen to it. Ah. But <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm excited. And uh, this is this is great. So anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah, but sometimes scientists, they go back and they want to study ancient viruses uh, that have that decimated population. So at the. Uh, I think the University of Toronto in Canada, oh, excuse me, Mac, uh, McMaster University in Canada, uh, they had scientists there that they went and they they took, uh, they had a, a, a skeleton or, uh, well, it can't be a cadaver because it's so long ago. But anyway, they took the virus from the teeth of a, the skeleton of a person that died during the Black Death. And the, the primary virus is uh Yarsina uh Yarsina Patisse, uh which would have been 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 known uh as the Black Death or was responsible for causing the Black Death. And they took this bacteria, excuse me, 834. Man, I'm not gonna hit this 30. <laughs> I'm not gonna hit this 30 minute mark. I really wanted to, but I'm I'm running my mouth too much and, and I love podcasting. You know, and shout out to everybody that's listened to that will listen to this podcast. Please make sure you comment. Please make sure you subscribe. Please make sure that you share the content. Make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help this podcast grow. No truth barred. Best podcast coming up. But anyway, it's responsible for the Black Death. 
You had a Japanese scientist that in 2009, excuse me, he took a form of uh, the earlier form of, of, of SARS that happened in, 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 I think, like 2004, that particular variant of influenza. And he was uh, studying it and trying to modify certain things in it to create a vaccine in case it comes back again. He inadvertently ended up creating a form of the virus that was immune to vaccines. So sometimes things like that can happen in science where you're you're studying, you're, you're manipulating viruses, and then you create something that may be immune to a vaccine or you may inadvertently revive the black death and have it in a lab somewhere. I remember I was talking to a former professor of mine in my senior year of college. I took evolution in society and it was a phenomenal class. I had it with a professor by the name of Dr. John Powers and Dr. Powers. Uh, we, we, the class was, was oriented around Charles Darwin. So I read, and, and I might even do a podcast uh, dedicated to Charles Darwin because I really appreciate his mind. Although he had a lot of antiquated Victorian era views that's just life. We have a lot of views that is a byproduct of, of the paradigm that we live under, just like Charles Darwin, anybody else in history. You have views of 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 the world that is shaped by your society. So I can't blame him for that. But anyway, with Dr. Powers, this class was amazing. We got into scientific racism. We got into a lot of different stuff. We got into uh, people around Dar Darwin and before and people like Lamarck and all of these individuals. Uh, but one of the things that I, I really appreciated with uh, with Darwin. Oh, excuse me. I'm about to go into a, a tangent on Darwin. <laughs> but the point of the class, the point of me bringing up Dr. Powers is that when I had his class, we did. A, a, we were reading an article. And there's a lab in. I think in Brussels, Belgium, right, that has a form of influenza so deadly is underground and locked beneath like four vaults. And if this strain of influenza got out easily, it could decimate half the world's population. If it's if it escaped. Now, the reason why did I mention the University of Canada and the Black Death? Why did I talk about this guy messing with the earlier SARS virus and it, and it being immune to vaccines? Why am I talking about this? It's because all of the conspiracy theory theorists on the Internet, all of the tinfoil people, all of the people that believe in flat earth, all of the people that believe that there are reptilians running the planet. Sometimes mistakes happen and you have to make room for that when we're having these discussions. Not everybody is trying to release some sort of virus or pandemic to kill you. Accidents happen. Even scientists commit accidents. And we have to understand that. We cannot act like science is uh, immune to accidents, immune to everything else. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, get it. I know the counter argument. The counter argument is going to be a well, Hoy, you know, uh, the uh, the government wants to get rid of people. You know, you you they, they, the, the 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 Illuminati and this is that. Listen, those same people that tell you about the Illuminati can't even tell you who their city council person is. Those same people that's telling you that there are interdimensional beings that are coming and communicating with politicians, they can't even tell you who who who's the uh, the head of their school board. They can't even tell you how funds in their city are being allocated to things like infrastructure, education, and other aspects of their local municipality. But these people want to have these deep, arcane conversations about abstract concepts and nebulous information that they have no real tangible way of proving. And because we're so stuck in these uh, uh, diatribes that really don't amount to anything we can't even inflict any real political change because we have an aversion towards voting and people that and people say that the vote doesn't matter the vote doesn't ma didn't matter they wouldn't be trying to pass all these laws to prevent black people from voting because um stacy adams really have black people turn out in Georgia and flip Georgia blue and get Georgia two more sentences to the point the GOP wants to do anything they can to impede upon the voting rights of Americans, more specifically black Americans. 
Gerrymandering is a real thing. Re uh, restructuring of lines of certain districts so that this particular party can get more votes is a real thing. And listen, I'm not a Biden guy. I'm not a Kamala guy. I'm not a uh, I'm not a Trump guy. But here's the reality. What happened on January 6th of this year is a direct result of the fact that black people in Georgia came out and exercised their right to vote and flipped the election towards Biden. And that was white angst. And you know me, I, I try to stay away from. I try to stay away from race because it was taught to us by racists. So I don't want to continue to perpetuate that rhetoric because it, it doesn't stand when it comes to science. You can't really prove that. So that's kind of my that's my huge issue when we when we talk about this sort of stuff. That is my biggest issue. But, you know, we 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 don't we don't exercise our right to vote. But, yeah, people have all of these crazy theories about hey this is how the, the corona and 5g and all of this stuff and i'm not gonna even lie i'm not gonna front i'm not gonna hold you i actually brought into the theories as well i was like yo 5g towers are giving people coronavirus oh they release yo i'm gonna tell you how ill i got with it right i was like they released the coronavirus to make trump look bad so the democrats can win the election just silly shit Stuff that makes no sense at all, but we as adults, we can entertain these theories because conspiracy theories, for the most part, not all, conspiracy theories really don't require us to, 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 to invest the intellectual toil and rigor to come up with real resolutions and solutions to problems that affect us on a political and economic level. So the, 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 uh, the way that we can, can, get past real solutions, the way that we could get past having to have some sort of political acumen, the way we could get past having to have some sort of economic acumen is to indulge in nebulous and nonsensical conspiracy theories that do not have evidence. And then we complain why things don't get done. But, you know, all of the conspiracy heads, they have all of these answers and, and, and all of these perspectives on how COVID got out. Come on, y'all. You know, but one real thing I want to talk about is zoonosis does happen. Now, those of you that don't know what zoonosis is, zoonosis essentially is when a virus develops to a level of complexity. And there's a, and, and I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a virologist, so I, I'm not going to go into all of the steps, but I'm just going to keep it simple. Essentially, what zoonosis is, is when a virus evolves and becomes so complex and it mutates to the point, it can actually jump species. So, as you know, and I want to go back, I'm a huge person. I love to study hunter-gatherer societies. I love, pardon me for the for the burp. I love to study hunter-gatherer societies. And I love to study the agricultural revolution, which occurred in the Fertile Crescent, uh, and other parts of the of, of of the world around. What are we talking about here? About let's say to keep it safe, I'm going to say eleven thousand years. Eleven to 12,000 years before the common era. So what the agricultural revolution was is when we made that shift from hunter-gatherers to uh, a sedentary lifestyle, excuse me, a sedentary lifestyle uh, that was a byproduct of farming. Because when you farm, you can produce surplus food. And what happens is when you produce surplus food, your mind and your your daily efforts no longer really have to go towards hunter gathering and, and 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 trying to gather food but then that's when a political elite can establish even if it's in a rudimentary form you can have a political elite to establish to to start to rise up when you have farming you have the concept of property that can arise then once you have the concept of property you have to protect your property from other from other farmers who may want to invade you because of what they don't have so then you have to protect that then what happens is 
then what happens is, excuse me, uh, you you have uh, the fact that women are viewed, women are viewed for their sex. That's what women are viewed for. Women are viewed uh, as property. And matter of fact, one of my favorite scholars in his work, Sex and Don, he points this out. He says, when you read the book of Genesis and it says, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. Or it might be the book of Exodus because that's part of the Ten Commandments. And that's under the, uh, um, I think, Levitical law. So it says, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. And what it truly means in context is that in agricultural societies, early agricultural societies, the wife was property of the husband. And so if you look at these uh, ancient languages, like, for example, in Hebrew, when you look, when you um, when you study Hebrew, actually, Adam and Eve is not Adam and Eve. God, if you read the book of Genesis or the Bible sheets, as, as it's called in Hebrew, it says that God created man and woman and called them the Adama or the Ma, uh, or, or the Adamatu. And it means like of the of the dark brown earth of the of the earth uh, or uh, Aritz in, in Hebrew. Right. And he called them both the Adam. But in Hebrew, what we who we call Adam is Ish and who we call uh, uh, Eve is Isha. And it means to be taken out of the man, taken out of she was taken out of Ish. Or Adam. And even in English, the word woman, it comes from wife men. And it just means the property or the belonging of a man. You're a wife man or a woman. So the fact that women have been viewed as property for millennia, and even in languages, women aren't really identified except in juxtaposition with being of a man, it shows you how caustic and how, uh, uh, preponderant that view of women is that 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 the sexism has has been going on forever almost and so you look at the language and you even see that as well sorry got off on the tangent but anyway and when we when we switched from being hunter gatherers to agriculture what we also did we started to domesticate many animals pigs chickens cattle and what happened is when we started to domesticate animals we were living in really close close proximity and if we didn't have the knowledge of proper sanitary habits we were breathing in the same air as these animals and then over time what began to happen is that many of the viruses that affected pigs cows begin to jump from animal to human smallpox measles um influenza these things were initially in animals and they and they came and they affected humans and they've been with us ever since. And so that's essentially what zoonosis is. And when you go back to Wuhan and it talks about the bats uh, in the open market area uh, giving the coronavirus to people, that could very much be a real thing as well, because we've seen in our ancient past this has happened. But see, when we get into conspiracies, we really don't want to have that sort of conversation. We don't really want to dig into real shit. We don't really want to uh, discuss things, like I said, that will require some sort of resolution. Let me see here. Where am I at? Uh, man. OK, let me wrap this up. Thank you all for bearing with me when you listen to this podcast. I'm really trying to woo -woo 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 get this thing done for you guys. But anyway, so I dealt with COVID and let me just get into my 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 personal bag. So the, what scared me shitless is when I went to the doctor and they diagnosed me with the COVID and the doctor's response was crazy because, you know, normally when you go to the doctor and you're like, hey, I'm sick. What's wrong? What can I do? They may prescribe medicine, some sort of antibiotic, steroid, etc. And you're like, cool, I got my meds. I'm off. Um, hopefully they don't get me too high so I don't become a drug addict. But anyway, you go to the doctor and they, they have a way to help you. But the scary thing about COVID was that there was no help at all. My doctor was like, when I went in there and I did my, um, when I, when I got the scan or I got the, uh, the nasal swab for the COVID, the doctor was just like, all right, hey, you know, go home, take Tylenol, stay hydrated. I hope nothing happens to you. I was like, yo, hey, 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 doc. Am I going to be, you know, is there something you can give me? Is there a multivitamin? I don't care. I just want to, you know, I don't want to be 
in the in the forever gone statistic. I'm already in the statistic because I have it, but I don't want to be in the forever gone statistic. Yo, this doctor looked me in the eye and was just like, well, uh, if you can't breathe, just go to the ER and they can give you a steroid and hopefully that doesn't happen. And it hit me. You know why they call it the novel coronavirus? You want to know why? And this is why I'm not really down with the conspiracy theories, but that doctor's reaction let me know a lot. You want to know why they call it the novel coronavirus is because we don't know shit about it. We don't know what to do. Our scientists don't know what to do. And that's what's scary about this thing. The other scary part is that it attacks your immune system. You know, and a lot of these a lot of these forms of influenza, they attack your immune system. But here's the crazy part. So, uh, and like I said, my good friend Melvin, he talked about the, uh, the, the how it looked like HIV. But what HIV does is that it attacks your T cells. And when it attacks your T cell, HIV will replicate the cell, but it's really HIV. It's still HIV, excuse me. And COVID, it'll attack your T cell, but it's just gone. And what my fear is, and I didn't read this anywhere, my fear is if this virus continues to mutate, it's, it's going to get to the point where it's going to hit you and you're dead. It is no surviving it. It's just if it continues to mutate and it can adapt, you know, because right now, like I have uh, I have the immune system memory of the virus. So if the strain that I had, if I get it now, my immune system, my antibodies will be ready to go and, you know, beat the shit out of COVID. Um, so that's <laughs> that's basically it. But the reaction of the doctor, like, messed me up. He just didn't know. Our medical team doesn't know. And when people want to compare the COVID to any other sort of virus, we have volumes of work on those viruses to where... We know it backward and forward and what to do and what to treat, how to treat it, what home remedies can work, what potential uh, vitamins can work, what antibiotics can work. We know nothing about this, which is scary. And essentially, our best doctors are just winging it with this virus. And that's what it let me know. And so that really uh, worried me. But yeah, my symptoms. So uh, I went I went boxing on, on that Friday before. And then that Saturday morning, I woke up and I'm like, and I went to the gym and I did a lot of core work. And uh, I, the thing that I noticed that Saturday when I was doing core work, something felt off. I don't really know what it was, but something felt off that Saturday. And I remember that Saturday evening, I came home and normally on a Saturday night, I'm up until about midnight, one in the morning. But I came home that Saturday evening, 70 p 7 p.m. I was out cold. I was done. And I'm like damn. Then I woke up like four in the morning and I kind of woke up and I, I felt kind of stiff, but then I went back to bed, woke up again at 8 a.m. body aching. But then my mind is like, well, my body's sore because I did a lot of core work and I was, you know, at the gym the night before. But what began to happen was that the fever came, then the headache came. And then I'm like, shit. Okay. Damn. All right. So this is crazy. So that was Sunday. That Monday, I think it was the fourth or the fifth, one of those days. Anyway, that Monday, it got worse. But I didn't go. Yeah, I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to work from home because I'm supposed to go into the office on Monday. So I said, you know, cool. I work from home, get what I need to get done. But then it got worse. So that evening, that's when I went patient. Well, excuse me. I went to patient first. I didn't go to my primary care because they're closed, but I went to patient first. That's what the doctor said, all of this stuff that made me nervous and almost shit myself and made me feel like my life was in severe danger. Anyway, <laughs> that's where I went, tested positive. Uh, what I noticed for me is that, and listen, this part is about to be graphic, so you are free to leave now. But for me, constant diarrhea, uh, even when I wasn't eating anything. And that's the other thing, too. I lost my appetite. I lost uh, during the period where I have I had COVID. I lost 15 pounds. So I lost my appetite. Uh, I was in, in pain all over my body. There were times at night I wake up with some chest pains. Uh, you know, just my, my sleep was crazy. Um, you know, and 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 
you know, nausea, vomiting, all this different stuff. Um, and that's another reason why I didn't really eat because I said, man, if I eat, I'm going to vomit. I might choke to death in my sleep on some breaking bad shit. Like, you know, the girl, uh, Walter White, he was trying to move the meth. He came into the room. The girl was choking to death on her own vomit. And this piece of shit let her choke to death on her own vomit. But anyway, I was like, I don't want to go out like on some breaking bad shit. So I was like, let me not eat. And so I, I didn't eat and my appetite was gone. I lost my sense of smell, sense of taste. Weirdly, oddly enough, uh, my old, I think the COVID damaged some of my olfactory uh, nerves because in a weird way, because I can smell colognes, lotions, food, but air freshener, incense, even this candle here behind me, I can't smell it. But I just like the ambiance, the mood that a candle sets. And um, hopefully this podcast has a lot of women uh, wanting to throw themselves at me and I can come to your home and do the podcast there and set the mood as well. Anyway, that was part of it. Um, but I went through a lot it, during the month of April and I, certain stuff I don't feel comfortable sharing on the podcast, but this is what I will say is that it was a really humbling experience. And I think almost maybe God needed me to go through that because before that, I was stressed out, dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, just a kind of workaholic, like work, 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 grind, grind, grind. And I was just really going through it, something tough. And, you know, I think I needed to sit. I think I needed to understand what was truly important in life. And what this virus allowed me to do was just that. And I realized that so long in my life, I've been a prisoner of opinion. I've been a prisoner of the what what people how people perceive me. And in the grand scheme of things, th this is what it is. We are apes. I know I know y'all don't want to hear that, but we are. We're apes. You know, we share uh 99 I think 98 99% of our DNA with chimpanzees and bonobos. We're apes. We we're you know, our prefrontal cortex is 5% larger than other primates, but we're apes. We're here for a finite life uh, a finite lifespan. Uh we're in an infinite universe. We're flying we're flying through space right now. Our galaxy is orbiting Sagittarius A, which is at the center of the Milky Way, and even beyond that, it's a, uh, a supermassive black hole spinning at the center of, of, of our galaxy. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what happens to us posthumously. And there's a lot of ambiguity. We wake up. It's like uh, I heard Joe Rogan said this. It's like we wake up in the middle of a movie and we got religion, language. And it's kind of we build this avatar of ourselves, this ego. And this ego modulates all of our function. You know, the ego is like, oh, you're an extrovert or ego is like, oh, you're an asshole or you're an intellectual or you're a leader or you're this or that. And the ego, which is so fragile. And honestly, there are substances that will eviscerate your ego and allow you to get a different perspective of yourself. But that's neither here nor there. The ego is what governs a lot of us. And I think the ego clouds us from the fact of what we truly are. We are unimportant, yet infinitely special at the same time. It's a one in 1.4 trillion chance of being born a human being and we're here. But we're just a part of an infinite network of information via nature. We have a, a, a symbiotic relationship to trees, the sun, the ocean, the moon, to other animals. But our ego allows us to think that we're superior. We should have confidence. We should believe in ourselves. But the ego is just that. It's a tool. And what this month allowed me to see is that the things that I hold important are really not important. The things that I stress over aren't worth stressing over. Because the reality is we all are on this ride. And what you do with your time is extremely important. And you should not let nonsense, opinions, and things that you cannot control dictate your happiness, 
your perspective of yourself. And God had to sit me down and I had to understand this on a deeper level. I had to understand what it is I'm trying to do with this podcast. I had to truly understand what it is I'm trying to do going forward. I had to really reassess all of these things. And it took fucking COVID for me to have to do that. You know what? After I got over COVID, I haven't been depressed. I haven't had anxiety. I haven't had any of that since I since I got over it. Coupled with the other things I was dealing with during last month. And if you're a friend of mine, I, I've confided in you the other stuff that was going on. So I think on a spiritual level, that's how COVID impacted me as a person. I have I, I consider myself a free man because even with, you know, some people say, oh, Hoyt, you're intellectual, you know, this, this and that. I consider myself a consummate student. I'm always learning in uh, ideas and concepts and perspectives that I had years ago. I've destroyed those perspectives and concepts and ideas and I've built new ones. And I have people, you know, kind of praise me and, it, and, it, and, and that can go to my head, you know, because I always castigate the people that. Uh, based themselves on materialism, but we all have because this system is so egoic and it, and, it, and it makes you a hyper individual. So you lose that sense of connection with nature, that sense of connection with the universe because you're an individual. And I got where I'm at by my sweat of my brow and hard work and and nobody gave anything to me. But you are a part of a whole. You are a part of a network that's billions of years old. And that's a beautiful thing to be part of that sort of continuity. It is. But the individualistic society, the individualistic society that tells you your self-worth is about money, that tells you your self-worth is about what sort of clothes you wear, that tells you that your self-worth is about the car you're in, that tells you your self-worth is designated to your job or being an entrepreneur or being this or being that, you lose your freedom to perspective and opinion and trying to keep up with a system that sees you as an automaton of consumption and peddling products that you ultimately don't need. Now, I ain't trying to be a, 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 a nihilist or anarchist or, all this, or what have you. Like I said, your ego is a tool. The car is a tool. The material items are tools. You have to look at them at just, as just that. The opinions of others can be tools. Don't look at it beyond that. If you look at it that way, it's cool. But when you internalize it as being a part of you, as being endemic to your happiness, that's where you mess up in the game. Now, as far as the vaccine goes, and I'm going to wrap this up. I'm considering getting the vaccine. I think I might go ahead and do it. Although I technically, I technically at the moment don't need to get the vaccine because I already have the antibodies uh, that can prevent me from catching COVID. I think right now I'm at like 95 to 98%. Thank God. And hopefully God continues to bless me, keep his hands of protection over me to prevent reinfection. I'm praying, praying, praying for that. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that's essentially where I'm at. Now, my issue with the, my issue with the vaccine is that this is where I do get a little conspiratorial. Now, Back in the day when I was in high school, I was big into conspiracy theories because they were so fun. Like, yo, conspiracy theories are super duper intriguing. They're fun. They're provocative. They keep you glued. It's like, ooh, ah, I didn't know the government would do that. I didn't know people did that. I didn't know the Skull and Bones did that. I didn't know Bohemian Grove was like that. And they pull you in. But that's the mind of an adolescent child. So back then, maybe I would be a little bit more open-minded to conspiracies, a little bit more than I am today, to be honest with you. But I was just really in it. So I remember this was like 2000, what's what, 2003? Anyway, 2003, I brought a book. You know, I keep looking at this time, but I, I fucked up at this point. I don't went well over 30 minutes. Anyway, it's my first episode back. So who cares? Right. But anyway, 
I purchased this book by William Mitchell, uh, William Mitchell, excuse me, <laughs> I said Mitchell. I purchased a book by William uh, Milton Cooper, uh, also known as Bill Cooper, and the name of the book is called Behold a Pale Horse. And this was like 2003 that I purchased that book. I remember reading it. And in the book, he talked about uh, a doctor by the name of Dr. Aurelio Pesci, and he was the founder of the Club of Rome. Now, the Club of Rome was an organization where different uh, world leaders in medicine, politics would gather and meet and discuss things that were pertinent to the world and society uh, going forward. And one of the things he said that Dr. Uh, Pesci, Dr. Aurelio Pesci discussed was a vaccine that would actually uh, knock off half of the world's population. And what they would do is that they would introduce a microbe uh, to the general public through the vaccine that would end up making them ill and killing them. And this was all done to not to uh, lower world population, therefore allowing the elites to have a lot more control. Uh, now, do I believe that now? Not really. But this is something that was written in that particular book. And I thought about that. I did. I did think about that because, you know, with the COVID vaccine, it didn't really get clear by the FDA. They used the emergency clauses to put this thing out there. And there are different articles that talk about people uh, developing inflammation of the heart, aneurysms. You look at the fact that uh, with the, jo the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, you have people that develop blood clots from that particular vaccine as well. So those kind of enhance my trepidations about getting this vaccine because I'm like, what if that happens to me? Um, but that's just something that. Hold on. All right, guys, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're getting bored, no, you're not getting bored because this is the best up and coming podcast on the Internet. So I know you're not getting bored, but continue to bear with me. I'm gonna let you go. I try to keep it to under an hour. Super duper sorry about that. But that was one of the things that I thought about. I thought about uh, another conspiracy that I read, which was the UN Agenda 2030. And essentially, it was different ways to drop the world's population by the year 2030. This is another conspiracy that I read. Now, these things are flowing through my mind, even right now. Like, OK, I try to. I try to, here's my ego, I try to boast that I'm the skeptic, I'm objective, I'm logical, but there's a piece of me that still entertains the what-if factor of the conspiracy theory. And the what-if factor of the, of the conspiracy theory is kind of marauding around my brain when I think about getting this vaccine. But nonetheless, I'm definitely going to go and get the vaccine. And, uh, you know, it's still... Uh, you know, it just it just kind of. I'm just I have my trepidations because I'm just kind of thinking. What happens years from now after we take this vaccine, are there, there going to be some sort of residual effects? Oh, I forgot to tell you really quick. After COVID, I didn't mention my lingering effects. I still have a cough. Thank God it hasn't came up during this episode. I still have a cough. I still get, you know, some weird body pains and I still feel fatigued. So this past weekend, I was supposed to do Saturday night events and I couldn't. I just was really fatigued. So that still happens. Um, yeah. But anyway, one thing that kind of made me think. One thing that kind of made me think about not really taking this vaccine is the profit factor. OK. If you study vaccines whether it's all together like collectively the vaccine market um for pfizer moderna j and j is going to be worth 40 billion dollars by the end of 2021 and it's expected to have another 20 billion dollars in sales okay moderna is projected to make $21 billion off of the vaccine this year, the year of 2021. And we cannot act like monetary incentive is not a factor here because the pharmaceutical industry is powerful in DC. 
They really lobby politicians. And they're one of the big adversaries of the legalization of marijuana and illegal and, and through the legalization of marijuana, the medicinal uses of marijuana as well, because uh, marijuana, medical marijuana has been shown to alleviate depression, help with joint and muscle aches, uh, help help cancer patients, help people with neurological dis disorders. And so some people are turning to cannabis as opposed to going to big pharma. And that's a problem because it's cutting in on their profit. And when you go back and you look at the anti-marijuana laws and the weed laws and the commercials that spoke out against marijuana, a lot of tobacco and alcohol companies actually put money behind those commercials to try to destroy uh, the reputation and what an image that was put out there of cannabis. So we cannot act like the pharmaceutical industry is, is exempt from that. So those have kind of crept into my mind when I think about taking the vaccine. So I'll say this. I do plan to get the vaccine to play my part. I want to be part of the solution and not the problem. I'll, I'll put aside my own trepidations and I'm going to go ahead and get the vaccine. COVID all in all, I pray for this planet. I pray that we can start to get a hold on this thing and possibly a new normal can 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 start to crystallize and become part of our new reality. But look, this has been episode 64 of No Truths Barred, the best up and coming podcast on the Internet. And I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for uh, viewing this and make sure you share the episode. Tell your friends to listen. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, I have episode two of Hip Hop Opinions that'll get me canceled. That's coming as well. So once again, I'm glad to be back. I thank y'all. Much love, respect, peace, and uh, peace again. I suppose hold this up. Peace, take care, and uh, I love y'all, and um, see you next week. Peace. You just finished episode 64 of No Truths Barred. And make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is No Truths Barred Podcast. Also, if you're not doing so already, follow me on my social media outlets on Instagram at Hoyt, H-O-Y-T underscore Kawaku, K-W-A-K-U underscore Timmons. That's T-I-M-M. ONS. And also make sure you subscribe to the new page, which is underscore No Truths Barred Podcast. And make sure you follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for the support and thank you for listening to this episode. Much love, respect, and peace.